We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The sale of recreational marijuana has been permitted in Michigan since 2019, but here in 2022, it still cannot be sold in the city of Detroit. We're missing out on job opportunities for Detroiters while we wait to get this up and running. For the second time since 2020, the Detroit City Council has passed a resolution that would allow for the distribution of recreational licenses. But this ordinance will likely have to do something the first one could not, hold up against a lawsuit. This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. A ballot measure was passed by Michiganders in 2018 that legalized the sale and use of recreational marijuana to those 21 and over. Medical use has been allowed since 2008. But in Detroit, the city has been unable to create an ordinance that sticks. Why? I think complicated is a good word to describe it. That is Adrienne Roberts. She covers the cannabis industry for the Detroit Free Press. She helps us take a step back and set up this whole thing. Recreational marijuana sales started in Michigan in December 2019. And that's when the industry got its start. Detroit decided to take let's go about the slowly, let's do it right approach. And they did get an ordinance passed in, in November 2020. So everyone's really excited. The industry is about to get up and running in the city. And then there's a lawsuit. And what happens is a federal judge in June of last year says, you know what, this is pretty much unconstitutional. And that temporarily halted the processing of any recreational marijuana license. So the industry has been at a standstill. And then in February, finally, the city introduced a revised ordinance that they thought maybe would, would get by some legal challenges. It went through council. It finally passed in April. The original ordinance in Detroit prioritized what are called legacy residents, which basically means people who have lived in the city for at least 15 years It also prioritized those with previous marijuana convictions. I guess they were trying to even the playing field for people. I mean, as you know, part of this, or maybe all of this, it was designed to help people that were maybe disenfranchised by previous laws or that could benefit the most from being able to take part in this industry. Yeah, and I think this is, you know, really important to the city of Detroit. You know, they don't want to kind of open the floodgate, so to speak, and say, oh, anyone can open a business. Because what we've seen in a lot of other communities is that big corporations with a lot of financial backing just kind of expand quickly around the state would probably be the first ones to open these businesses. So what they're trying to do is make sure that longtime Detroiters and people that have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs are the ones that actually get to open these businesses and, you know, they can build generational wealth for their family. This is something I hear a lot about. When you think about it, this is a totally new industry and people have the ability to get in from the ground up. So I think the city and city council members are very cognizant of that. Now, the new ordinance will prioritize 50 of the 100 licenses for those legacy Detroiters. For people that own cannabis businesses, the longer the city stalls, the more difficult things become. 
I wonder if you are concerned at all about, you know, the longer that you go with the inability to sell recreational, the harder it's going to be to get some of those people to peel off of where they are right now. People develop relationships with the people from whom they buy things. A lot of people are cannabis curious. And if they go to your store and they have a good experience, they have a connection with, you know, with your customer representative there or your bud tender, whatever you call them, they're going to keep coming back. And that type of loyalty to brand or that type of loyalty to your store is, I mean, it's priceless. And being in a situation where people are forming those loyalties in Ferndale, in Hazel Park, in these other communities, it's going to be harder, as you've identified, for us to pull them into our fray. That is the co-founder of Cloud Cannabis, John McLeod. They have dispensaries across the state, including a medical facility in Detroit. Part of the problem that medical dispensaries are having is a declining customer base. Here is Adrian again. You'll hear John, too. Something I've heard, too, from people with a medical license and medical marijuana, sales are really leveling off. And they're seeing a tiny fraction of the customers that recreational cannabis businesses see. At one point in time in the state of Michigan, there was nearly 350,000 registered patients. Once adult use was brought to law, That number has just slowly been declining. We're getting closer to 200,000. For instance, I talked to this one owner of a cannabis company, and he has like 10 customers a day at his Detroit medical marijuana dispensary. He has a recreational in Utica, and he's seeing at least 500 customers a day. So he has to employ so many more people in order to service those customers. And in Detroit, you know, he just has a handful of employees. So it's really like we're missing out on job opportunities for Detroiters while we wait to get this up and running. Adrian mentioned the business owner in that last cut. Well, that's John she's talking about. Her conversation with me about him, follow along, inspired me to pick up the phone. John says that customer disparity they're talking about, absolutely brutal. In the Utica store, let's say we have 500 check-ins there a day. I have 10 in Detroit. That's economics, right? But let's also talk about the job. In Utica, I have 53 employees. In Detroit, I have five. That's a direct impact on the local community, too, because we're trying to hire people that are active commuters, walkers, busters, bikers. Those are the people that we want. That has the best impact on a community. If you can employ those people, if we can lift those people up. We don't have the opportunity to do that just because the simple economics don't, don't provide so in Detroit. So the quicker they can get to adult use, you'll see a huge increase in jobs. You'll see money staying within the city limits. Just off of the tax sharing revenue alone, the city of Detroit, if they had 65 adult use shops, which is about the number of medical shops they have right now, they would have made $3.7 million in revenue sharing. That's really untied money to the general fund that they would have brought in had they had adult use last year. There is a multi-million dollar question at hand. Will the second ordinance face more lawsuits? What I'm hearing from lawyers now is this ordinance is likely going to face more lawsuits. In terms of the legal arguments around this, you can't make sure only one group of people gets a license. So the city is trying to make sure that, you know, this one is different from the previous ordinance and that half the licenses of a limited license, which for retail, the ones that we're most familiar with, half are reserved for longtime Detroiters or what they call social equity applicants, and the other half is for anyone. The original ordinance was really trying to get mostly longtime Detroiters. That's probably how it would have ended up as the ones with the licenses. Now they're going this more half and half approach. 
John says the lawsuits, they're unfortunate, especially because they tend to come from a very small group of people. I think it's unfortunate that litigation gets entered into these scenarios so often. It's very, very frustrating when the will of a very few overrules the will of the large majority. We see that happen quite often here. I mean, people are just very litigious. In theory, this should really quell all the other concerns that arose after the first lawsuit. You've increased the number. You've provided a path for social equity or legacy Detroiters to come to market and not compete against the existing operators that have already been in market. And remember, I mean, we've been in market operating under compliance, paying our taxes, paying our licensing fees, upkeeping our property. We've been doing that this whole time. So if you've shown a good record of compliance and a good record of working with the city within the rules that they've set forth, then you shouldn't get punished or put at a disadvantage in this process. When John was talking earlier, he mentioned how he was losing customers to those buying recreational weed in other cities. Can the city of Detroit get them to come back? The longer the city of Detroit kind of waits, they miss out on sales. People are going to Hamtramck now to buy recreational marijuana. They establish relationships with their dispensaries. Are we going to be able to get those customers back? Are we going to be able to drive business to the city of Detroit for this? Are we going to be able to hire people? So the longer we wait, the concerns pile up. That new ordinance will take effect on April 20th, appropriately enough, if there are no legal challenges. So we'll find out shortly if those are to come. Thank you to Adrian Roberts from the Detroit Free Press and John McLeod from Cloud Cannabis for helping me break this down. You can always find out what's happening in Detroit and beyond by visiting wwjnewsradio.com. Our theme music is written and produced by Ozone Music and Sound in Royal Oak. I'm Zach Clark and this is The Daily J. Thanks for listening. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.